Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The marketing industry is constantly changing. So how can you stay on top of your game? You'll be glad to know there's a new resource on the way. It's the Institute for Brand Marketing, a program for marketers designed in a collaboration between IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek. Offering complimentary online courses and real-world educational experiences, the Institute for Brand Marketing can help cultivate skills for marketers at all levels. Don't miss out. Classes begin this September. Visit adweek.com IBM to sign up and learn more. That's adweek.com IBM. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably a Chicken Sandwich. This is your favorite advertising and fast food review podcast. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. Uh, and it's a very exciting episode uh, because there's just so much happening. And uh, we are just going to build. If you enjoyed listening to us drink nitro coffee the other day, uh, it, Kelsey, you were here for that one too, weren't you? I was. I've been on a lot of food-centric uh, or drink-centric podcasts. That is uh, Kelsey Sutton, a staff writer here at Adweek. Uh, and uh, Kelsey, remind us uh, what all beats you cover other than food quality. Uh, <laughs> that's my unofficial beat. Uh, but officially, I cover uh, the platforms and the streaming services. Which we have some exciting news on Disney Plus, on Netflix, kind of building on last week's conversation about how it's kind of the world versus Netflix uh, these days. <laughs> and so uh, we will be sharing some updates on that. We've also got back, uh, of course, Kamiko McCoy, co-host on the podcast, social media editor for Adweek. Kamiko, always a pleasure. Bless. Happy to be here. I feel like the South is is like playing such a central role in culture this week. I'm so excited. You and I, as uh, you know, as the true Southerners on this podcast, can really represent. I agree. Popeyes forever, honestly. Um, and then uh, we've got Doug Zanger, uh, senior editor covering the agency's beat uh, here at Adweek. Doug, great to have you on. Thank you, and to echo Kamiko, Popeyes forever. Even in, <laughs> even in Portland, Oregon, even region. a northerner. Yep. So uh, for those who have not uh, been keeping track of your, your chicken sandwich news, um, we've got uh, – it was a big week. Uh, so basically, uh, I'll, I'll recap quickly and then we'll, um, we'll just dive in because like I said, we got some – does anyone have food or am I the only one who actually scored food? I have a McDonald's chicken sandwich, which I can <laughs> already say is not the same as a Popeye's chicken sandwich, but here for the camaraderie. So um, <laughs> this month, uh, Popeyes rolled out their first chicken sandwich. I mean, they've had a chicken po' boy before, but it's it's not the same thing. Um, and uh, you know, this obviously competes with the Wendy's chicken sandwich, the KFC zinger, the you know, there, there's a bunch of others. Uh, McDonald's, of course, has one or two. Um, but 
something weird happened on the way to the product launch <laughs> time. Like so, they, so basically, Popeyes tested uh, their their new sandwich in a few markets, and they saw that people really responded really well. And then people responded on Twitter. You know, Popeyes has for those who don't know much about the chain. It's I mean it's big. It's about the size of Chick Fil A. They have about twenty four hundred locations, but it's very much like a. I think of them as like a southern and kind of an urban crowd. So, so they have you know a largely kind of urban black audience, very active on Twitter, um, and you know, and in the South as well. And so they really saw a lot of response on Twitter to those initial tests. Then they like really rolled out the thing nationwide. And it just exploded. And part of that was, you know, thanks to the brand, thanks to its agencies. GSDNM runs their social channels. And, you know, Chick-fil-A posted this tweet about bun plus pickle equals love, which is a bold stance for a chain like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's not known for its LGBT uh, acceptance. But so they got made fun of quite a bit on Twitter for that one uh, and by Popeyes. Popeyes shared it. And uh, it, it was y'all good, right? Like y'all good? Mm-hmm. Uh, was that was it? That was the whole tweet. Blows up becomes the number one Popeyes tweet ever. That sets into motion uh, just a chain reaction of um, y- you know. And again, I give almost full credit to Black Twitter here. I mean, I think the brand did the right things, but in the end, like this is something where organically it really exploded. Uh, and then some people started to get pretty upset that the you know a lot of this thing sparked coverage all over the country, mainstream news. And a lot of people felt that like Black Twitter wasn't really getting its, you know, its due. Uh, and so I've talked to a few folks, talked to Goddess Rivera, at uh, the head of culture at Twitter about this um, and uh, for a follow up story I did. And, uh, you know, and she said, yeah, 100 percent. Like this is so much about the way that that community helped amplify this discussion and and really turn it into a phenomenon. And man, what a phenomenon it is like. I, d- I don't know if uh, if you any of you actually tried to get out to one. I just got back uh, from Popeyes, uh, from one of the worst Popeyes in the country, but <laughs> I won't name the location. But never been a good one. And let me tell you, having a phenomenal amount of PR didn't help them any because uh, it was a one hour wait for a chicken sandwich today. Has Popeyes any anywhere ever had a good reputation for being like quality service? <laughs> Not one I've ever been to. Uh, it's you know. Yeah, and that's been the joke, and everyone literally at this Popeyes, you know, it's packed. It was shoulder to shoulder, and we're all just joking, like, is is there a worse place this could happen to? <laughs> like, in the sense of, like, they, you know, they they can't seem to serve uh, fried chicken, like, to you in, a, in an organized way when they're, you know, when they're empty, uh, much less. Uh, but, you know, to their credit, they, they eventually... They eventually served it. Uh, and, you know, it was fun. Everyone was just kind of standing around laughing. There was a line of cars down the street. This thing's been out for a week now. Um, so uh, so I got one. I got one sitting here, and apparently I'm the only one who, who managed to, to snag one. So I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a, a tentative bite of this thing. Uh, Kamiko, have you busted into your McDonald's sandwich? Oh, yet? absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I will say our uh, Chris Ahrens, our intrepid uh, podcast producer, uh, went and, and tried to get a chicken sandwich for Kamiko, and they were sold out by 11.44 a.m. There was a yeah. huge, there was a big line. He had to wait. No chicken sandwiches in sight. Lots yeah. of nap, lots Plus. of naps, lots of naps happening in New York right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll be honest with you. Who I think is to blame uh, is the uh, delivery services. Uh, so I was waiting there for you know twenty five thirty minutes just now, and then all of a sudden, like they bring up a, a, a cardboard box full of sandwiches. 
and someone with like a waiter or whatever service delivery service, you know, like the local version of Seamless, like they just walk out with all of them. And like, it's amazing they got out alive. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, those delivery services are buying them in bulk and they got there early. You could tell they got there like 10. Uh, And then the rest of us schmucks who just show up and like, can I get a sandwich? And they're like, eventually. Um, (laughs) So, okay. So I'm I'm going to, I'm going to try this. We ready? (laughs) Yeah, go. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, people tune in for the quality ASMR of me eating chicken. You got to get that Zoe Kravitz beer with, with you while you're at it. Um. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> oh God, this is so gross. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, lean closer to the mic. I want to hear the crunch. I'm, I'm trying not to. <laughs> um. Okay, hold on. You should have like more. used a um, used a knife or a fork on the top of the chicken, Ooh, so we yeah. could kind of hear the. Um, hear the sound it's good it's uh it's tender um i'm not a fan of the chick-fil-a sandwich i live in the south i'm deep in the south uh, down here in birmingham alabama and um you know chick-fil-a sandwich to me has just never been um i don't know kamiko what's your take um i will die for a chick-fil-a sandwich to be completely honest so (laughs) take very much offense to what you just said I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority on this. One, but like, <laughs> no, I just, I'm with you. It's okay. It's it's okay. It, it, it's yeah. I don't. I I want like that big skin breading, you know. And and I'd like to apologize to Kelsey, uh, <laughs> who, is, <laughs> who does not eat meat, right? It's yeah, it's fine though. Don't worry about it. Um, but no, I want it to be. <laughs> it's like someone someone posted this tweet, and I can't even do it justice. But it's like the difference between it's like Chick Fil A is like it's like a the sandwich a suburban mom would make when she's really concerned about your cholesterol. Oh my god! <laughs> and and like and the the Popeyes one is the sandwich that like your, your grandma makes in the South, who she's just like you know whatever God's in control, just eat, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean it's it's I'm not gonna lie it's pretty greasy um, but I kind of dig that I don't know it's weird anyway fat equals uh, flavor baby it, it you know if you're gonna do it just do it uh, so yeah live review it's uh, it's pretty good I mean I'm gonna say it's in the I'm gonna put it I'm gonna say it's the best fast food chicken sandwich um, which isn't saying a whole lot I think the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich is pretty good oh I god think yes the, I think the uh, the McDonald's one is fine although they burn it a lot which is weird like they over fry it uh and then chick-fil-a is fun like chick-fil-a you're either really into that like you know it's like marinated in pickle juice or some nonsense i mean you're either into it or you're you know that's that's quality the quality journalism people turn to this podcast for (laughs) oh my lord So uh, I did want to give just a little more background on this because it is fascinating. Uh, And you guys may not know this because as we record this, I'm about to publish an article that will be live by the time everyone listens to this. But uh, I've been talking to the marketers behind Popeyes uh, and, uh, you know, a few other folks. And what people may not realize is that uh, Popeyes, I don't know if you if you all know this, it is a sister brand of Burger King. Uh, Were y'all familiar with this? What the hell? Wow. That I had no idea. So uh, Restaurant Brands International, I think it's the name of the parent company, they own Burger King, uh, Popeyes, and Tim Hortons. And 
you know, that really has never come up as Burger King has exploded. Anyone who listens to this podcast, anyone who follows advertising know that Burger King is in this like golden era. Um, you know, they won 40 lines at Cannes this year. That dwarfs anything they even accomplished back in the 2000s when they were with Crispin Porter. You know, they're really in this kind of huge uh, area, you know, huge era for them. And a lot of people, you know, uh, including myself, probably credit that to Fernando Machado, the global CMO of Burger King, uh, who's really revolutionized that place. Guess who is the new CMO of Popeyes? Guys, it's Fernando Machado. It's Ver- oh, Fernando okay. Machado. <laughs> right. That, it, it wasn't a trick question. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for like, Axel Schwann? What, who is it? <laughs> right. um, no, it's uh, so Fernando is now leading both brands. Uh, He's leading. He's the global CMO of Burger King and the global CMO of Popeyes, and it's been quietly true uh, for this whole you know so far this year. So six months or seven months or so, eight months. Good lord, the year is flying by. Um, But early this year, he took over Popeyes. But like he he joked with me, he's like, I haven't even updated my LinkedIn. (laughs) Like no no one, no one really knows he's running it. Um, They brought in the agency Gut. Uh, mm-hmm. Zanger, remind us remind us why that's kind of interesting that they would bring in guts. Specifically. Well, yeah, because uh, that was founded by Anselmo Ramos, who is best known for being one of the founders of David, who uh, it, the agency of which helped build the current um, loveliness that is Burger King marketing. Aha! In a nutshell, in a very very short nutshell. Yeah, and they've been notoriously. Uh, and very visibly poaching a lot of the talent uh, mm-hmm. from uh, you know from David. Yeah, so they brought in Gut uh, with this kind of background on Burger King. They also moved over Bruno Cardinale, uh, who is now the uh, head of North American marketing uh, for Popeyes. Guess where he worked before this? Burger King. Thank you. I was like, are they Yay! <laughs> yes. Bruno was at Burger King. He was the head of marketing for their Latin America, which is, if you, again, if you follow Burger King, you know that that's a huge market for them, and that's where a lot of their most innovative stuff comes out of. Uh, so, in other words, as you can tell, uh, this this Popeyes phenomenon is not one hundred percent out of nowhere. You know, this isn't just some rando chain kind of catching fire for a minute. Um, now, that said, I again, I think Black Twitter deserves a lot of the credit uh, for all this happening. And at the level it did, Lord knows it wasn't driven by like advertising. In fact, they're delaying the ads uh, for the chicken sandwich because probably because they need to get more ingredients to all the stores since everyone's selling (laughs) out, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Fernando told me he's like, you know, we're probably just going to hold on to these ads for a while because GSDNM made some TV spots, and the TV spots are about this is these were made before the launch happened. They're about the online freakout about the the test of the sandwiches. So the premise of the ads was supposed to be that when we tested them in certain markets, people went crazy online. Well, of course, then they launched, like before the ads could even come out, everything truly went crazy online. So now those ads would, honestly, they probably need to be recast a bit um, because they're just going to seem silly being like, a handful of people freaked out on Twitter. Oh, and also, (laughs) we got 2 billion impressions in one week on the the launch of this thing. so I think we're going to hear a lot more from Popeyes is the long story short. Um, I think this is really just the kind of the, the a bit of a coming out party for them of, you know, becoming a major player. I've lived in the South pretty much my whole life, uh, you know, and Popeyes has never been known as a, a marketer. You know, they're just word of mouth. I don't know, Kamiko, what's your, you know, you lived in Atlanta for a long time. Like, what's your brand perspective on Popeyes before all this happened? I feel like. 
I, I don't I they were known, like I said, they were known for running out of chicken. Um <clears throat> and biscuits that you needed a, a drink after. But um there were a couple of distinct things about them, like um Popeye's Annie's that everybody knew. Like, you know, you, she was really heavy heavily associated with the brand. Um and then their tagline, the love that chicken from Popeye's, like you could sing it, you knew it like the back of your hand. So I feel like they had some distinct things about them, but it may have been more of a regional thing for them. Yeah, and Zanger, you're in Oregon, so I mean, there's there's Popeyes in Oregon. I take it they have like pretty yeah. good national distribution. Now. No, yeah, there there are a few out here, um, but my, yeah, my first experience with it was um, was in actually outside of Philadelphia, and yeah, it was just like that was like the treat. If like you got a chance to go to Popeyes, people would go bananas. And then when I was in radio, I was just <laughs> I was telling them earlier that you know we'd, we'd run through what we want to do for lunch and then someone would say Popeyes and like everyone would start cheering like we had just won the Super Bowl because everyone just you know loved loved that brand so yeah i mean there's there's been a lot of brand love you know one other thing about fernando that that i think is interesting uh, on the marketing end you'd mentioned the number of impressions i'd seen fernando talk a few years ago and and he was talking about burger king and he said that that the goal for any of the stunts or campaigns that they they work on was that two billion impression um, threshold? So I think that's pretty interesting. If he's if he's going to take that same philosophy for Popeyes and and how that will manifest itself, um, that that's interesting to see where that will go. I've got a fun little trivia before we move on. Does anyone know who Popeyes is named after? Oh, I know this, but I forgot. Oh, I'm assuming it's not the Sailor Man. No, not Sailor, not Sailor okay. Man. Well, that's smart. The, that's why he's never been. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they licensed him at some point. Um, but that's why he's not the logo. Kelsey, any any guesses? I, that was my guess. I, I know no other Popeyes. I've forgotten uh, what it is. N- named after Popeye Doyle from The French Connection, uh, who right. is played by Gene Hackman uh, in the movie. And uh, there's there's no real good reason why. <laughs> like the, like the, like the, the founder just thought he was cool. <laughs> like that was hmm. it. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, it's named after Popeye Doyle. Uh, so uh, there you go. We will move on now. But, uh, but yeah, thanks, everyone, for indulging me. And I'm sorry that the rest of you didn't get to try it. But, you know, I'm sure in a week or two, everyone, the world will have moved on. And, uh, you know, you'll get it. You'll get your chance. Is the pace of change and evolving demands of your job making it difficult for you to get ahead? If so, you'll definitely want to join us this September for the Institute for Brand Marketing. It's a professional development program designed in a collaboration between IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek, specifically for brand marketers. The Institute for Brand Marketing program will provide complimentary interactive courses, custom research, thought leadership, and live educational experiences at industry events across the nation. Don't miss this limited time resource for professionals at all levels who want to hone their skills and advance in a world of disruption and innovation. Be the first to enroll as classes begin this September. Go to adweek.com slash IBM to sign up and learn more. That's adweek.com slash IBM. Let's talk streaming again, uh, because like I said, we just, uh, I think in the last episode, we were talking about how at uh, TCA, our, our TV media editor, Jason Lynch, was telling us that kind of the entire TV industry at the Television Critics Association, you know, summer press event seemed to be kind of we're all in this together against Netflix. <laughs> it's like yeah. the, this uh, uneasy alliance of everybody. Uh, so, Kelsey, tell us what uh, some of the big news that has come up in streaming since then. Obviously, Disney Plus seems to be kind of c- 
coming into its end. It doesn't launch till end of the year, right? But but we learned a, a little more today uh, this past week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Disney Plus is, uh, as you can imagine, a Disney streaming service, and uh, its its launch date is November twelfth. Um, but we saw actually. Griner, you and I were talking about their social rollout that started out this week, um, kind of a moving day for all these different brands, talking about Disney Plus, and I think that's going to be the beginning of a big, big marketing push. Um, so obviously, they're they're putting a lot of uh, effort behind uh, behind the service, um, but it's kind of interesting because they uh, announced earlier uh, this week too that they're they're not just doing the the US launch November 12th but they're also going to be launching in Canada and the Netherlands that day and then a week later they're going to be in Australia and New Zealand uh and I think it's going to be really interesting because this global audience uh, for streaming services is going to be super super important and so that just requires um a different you know different approaches that's just kind of increases the the amount of work that you have to do you don't have to you're not just courting a U.S. audience with U.S.-focused marketing and U.S.-focused products, but you're also trying to to cater to an international market because that's going to be so important for some of these players that are competing against Netflix, which is a huge international player. So uh, it's it's going to be – I mean, November 12th is like circled 100 times in my uh, planner. So it's going to be – it's just going to be really interesting to see what what that's going to look like. Uh, Kelsey, yeah, the- Kelsey, I have a quick question for you. So the U.S., it's, it's um, you know, ESPN Plus and, and Hulu. <coughs> I'm curious, you know, ESPN – are these going to be the same products globally as well or will there be other – well, there be other networks in, in the global product. That's a good question. So, so Disney Plus as a standalone product is going to be six ninety nine in the U.S. But as you mentioned, there's a bundle, and I think that's going to be twelve ninety nine for mm-hmm. also ESPN Plus and Hulu. Those products, ESPN Plus and Hulu, are not available internationally right now. So that's not something that they can do internationally. With that said. Uh, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but I imagine like you're trying to come up with as many ways to target as many people as possible. So I, I wouldn't rule out, I think with the ESPN plus thing, it's obviously more of a regional right. or US based thing. Um, but you know, there are definitely options, but as, as of now, they're just doing the Disney plus rollout, um, just for that standalone service. So it's going to be similarly priced to, uh, the, the Disney plus standalone, um, it's kind of interesting too, because of course Disney Plus has all of these products, but then it's also introducing a bundle on top of that, um, and it's going to be very confusing for consumers probably who are looking for just trying to watch their shows, you know, <laughs> figuring out where everything is. That doesn't even get into the myriad other streaming options launching this year, or you know, in the next year, and that all of them have Plus in the name. Exactly. Uh, it's going to be like when you were a kid and you're trying to explain to your parents like which game console or whatever and they get mixed up or they, you know, get to the wrong thing. It's just going to be like, no, uh, dad, I wanted Disney Plus and I wanted, you know, every every kid wants CBS All Access, right? That's every kid's dream. <laughs> well, so they actually announced that they're doing kids programming. Um, CBS? They're going to be... Mm-hmm. CBS well, All Access. Oh, 60 yeah. Minutes yeah, with Viacom. Yeah, so, 60 uh, Minutes for Kids. So. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they, as we talked about last week, they've merged with Viacom again. Right. And so that means they own Nickelodeon, right? They own a bunch. So, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. technically, theoretically makes sense. Uh, but there's just something about the name CBS. 
<laughs> CBS just, Kids, yay! Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, so re- remind us, because this spills over into another story you wrote this week about the competitive set here. But remind us, kind of, what is the lay of the land in terms of whether it's penetration of of you know households or, or percent of how many people are watching these ones? But how does Netflix stack uh, stack up against Amazon, Hulu? Like, what what are the what's the what are the standings right now? Yeah. So Netflix. Five years ago, had about 90% of of market share of the streaming audience in the U.S. Um, And eMarketer put out a report this week to say that I think they're about about 87%. So obviously, it's not a surprise that they're going to lose some of this market share as we get these these services, these other services coming uh, into the market. But... um, you know their their dominance is still extremely dominant, but it's starting to slip. Uh, Amazon is actually second second place for the largest uh, subscriber OTT service, and they reach about ninety six point five million viewers in the U.S. Uh, that's about that's more almost fifty three percent of OTT uh, viewers uh, in the U.S. And then Hulu is coming up at third with uh, seventy five point eight million U.S. viewers this year which is uh, a little more than uh, 40% of, of uh, subscribers. So it's uh, those are like the big three. But of course, those numbers don't really account for all these services that are coming down the pike. As we mentioned, Disney Plus is coming, uh, is premiering November 12th. We have Apple TV Plus. There was an ad for The Morning Show, which is sort of their big uh, it's a very expensive uh, service, and Bloomberg reported this uh, that it's going to be about nine ninety nine, uh, or that's what that's sort of what they're looking at price point. Um, they're spending like fifteen million dollars an episode on the morning show. They're There's really some heavy names in there too. Yeah, they're putting I think six billion dollars. The Financial Times reported that six billion dollars in original content on that. So there, that is a, a November date, but we don't have all the details on that. And then we have HBO Max which is HBO uh, is owned by Warner Media. So Warner Media's streaming service that's going to encompass all of those. It's going to encompass HBO plus a bunch of other uh, properties. That's going to be out in, I believe, March 2020. We have NBC Universal. They're doing a streaming service. That's going to be spring 2020. It's just, it's it's going to get really, really crowded in the next 12 months. Um, so, you know, that market share that Netflix has enjoyed for a really long time, who knows what's going to happen because these companies are spending so much money trying to take their their content either off of Netflix or, or get content that was on Netflix and bring it to their own services um, because they're hoping that, you know, those titles are what is what's going to drive people to, to sign up and spend money with them instead. Um, and of course, people already have, you know, in the in the U.S., people have two or three streaming services on average. So uh, subscription f- fatigue is real and it's only going to get realer because people are going to go, OK, wait a second. I can't have 15 streaming services to watch, you know, six hours of television over the course of a week. I wonder if we'll start seeing more people. And I'm sure a lot of people already do this kind of setting up their own like sharing situation where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, I'll get the Netflix, you get the Hulu, you get the Disney Plus type deal. Oh, and interesting. Just like, yeah. You know, I'll do it for that way. Like an Airbnb, but for streaming. Yeah. Well, so this is so interesting. And I'm really glad you brought it up because, That's yeah. That's what I've been doing. Right? Like, okay, so when, <laughs> when uh, Disney, when there was the announcement about Disney Plus, 
I was like, oh, I don't want to pay for another streaming service. But what if a friend of mine pays for a streaming service? I'll trade you. I'll trade you. I don't think that's an unusual arrangement. Of course, these services are now going to have to go, okay, wait, how do we do we fight that? To what degree do we fight that? People, are, So Netflix and a couple other services have like screen sharing. So you can only have a certain yeah. number of people watching at the same time. But they don't like lock things in based on what Wi-Fi you're on or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... But if you do that as a service, like, do you just make all your customers mad? Because they did and have, then if I'm mad not mistaken, there was a point in time where there was just like, there's too many people watching your Netflix account right now. Somebody has to log off. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it right. still does that. If, you, if you're more than two, if you have more than two. Now, I mean, not like logged in, but if you if two more than two people try watching a show at the same time, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll uh, you know, knock you out. So, like, if I'm I traveling. Think if, you, if you pay more money, you can get, like, four screens, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. And, I, and I think, honestly, that's probably the extent of what they'll do to crack down on that because it used to not be the case. Like, far enough back. I think you could have – that's back when people used to joke about, you know, it's like you'd break up with somebody and then like six months, nine months later, you'd have to be like, stop using my account. You know, it's like you'd have – like, you could have – Yeah, you change the password and just kind of see the – You get a hey stranger text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, the uh, – and, you know, so they have cracked down on that somewhat. Uh, but I like that idea of an Airbnb, like of, of a share economy kind of approach to this of like, well, I've got Maybe two I seats, but it. I'm – yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and it's going to be it's like so so the whole reason for streaming and the first like the 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 draw the consumer draw for streaming is like it's less expensive than cable where you're paying you know for all these things you don't watch um and so that was sort of the whole idea in the first place you watch what you watch what you want when you want and you pay way less money I don't you know the as People are going to have to figure out what to do because there are all these services and like you don't want to pay for all this content you're not watching. That's the whole problem that uh, the, the whole, you know, structure that that made streaming kind of a, a viable business in the first place. So, I mean, what do you guys, I guess, um, of, of all the services that are coming on down the pike, like which ones do you think you're most excited oh, about that you're definitely going to sign up for? Yeah. Like, I want to know, like, where, where, what's the standing for you guys as consumers? Uh, Disney Plus for sure, just because of kids, sports, and Seinfeld. Um, but um, <laughs> the trifecta of right. content. Well, I, yeah, well, and I, yeah, exactly. And I guess the other, I guess my question to you, Kelsey, is you know, currently the current setup we have is so we have Frontier, which used to be Verizon FiOS until it was bought by Frontier out here. And so all of these services are connected to our cable, um, our cable account. So are any of these going to be connected with a Comcast or a Verizon or a Time Warner, um, so that you could just you know log in so that you could you could stream anywhere? Or is this just like these are all standalones and you you got you have to choose? You're either doing cable or you're doing this. I think that Disney is doing something with Charter. Um, I don't I think that's still probably a lot of it is being worked out, but I don't think that that's out of the question. Right. Um, But again, if you are a cord cutter, if you don't have cable, you don't really have like a centralized place to do it. If you do have cable and you can do all these add ons like right. I think if you have cable, you could also do like an HBO add on. Yeah, you could do like a stars or Showtime. And that's kind of how that's worked for a long time. Um, But. It's going to, yeah, I, I, that it's a great question. And I'm sure that that's being thought of. It's obviously, you know, if Disney and Charter do that, then there are probably other deals that are going to come down the pike. But it's, you know, you keep, you keep them in the, in the 
cable ecosystem. Like it kind of helps out the cable companies too. Um, Cause it's so, all going to be, the, it's, it's going to be more expensive. You, you know, it's, it's either going to be the same price or more expensive either way it, it, when I'm looking at our, mm-hmm. uh, at our particular situation. So, you know, and then the, you know, the live TV component of it, um, you know, the Hulu part with live sports is nice, but you know, you're not getting the local NBC affiliate, you know, and then you have to go over to YouTube TV for that. And then there's another 25 a month. And it's just, yeah, it just turns into just chaos. Oh, and it's so, it's so confusing. I mean, there is an entire economy on the internet of where are, where is my show? Like if I search where can I watch the X Golden show? House. Yeah, you will see like five hundred websites. Five hundred websites are like C- are, are SEO primed to like take advantage of that because they know people have no idea, and it's so. Um, and it's also always cha- you know what what's leaving Netflix in August is like something that a lot of you know you you see that all the time because people don't know, and I think that's one of the things that's going to be really interesting. The whole idea of streaming was again to like alleviate all of these consumer frustrations about cable, and now there's just this whole slew of new consumer frustrations, which is like, wait, wait, where did my show go? Yeah. I was watching it until yesterday at the end of the month, and it just disappeared, and now I can't find it. Uh, Kamiko, for for the record, you can watch Golden Girls on Hulu, uh, Prime Video. <laughs> And that's, and well, apparently some pirated ones from Daily Motion. Those might be in French, though. So <laughs> you just subtitle it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Um, the here's my dark prediction for the what was Jason calling it? The stream apocalypse. <laughs> Is that stri- no stream again? It's stream again, right? Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, this like this culling moment, right? That uh, that everyone says you can't have this many. I mean, you can, you can, but like probably won't. Um, and so, what will that moment be? Here's my my thing: is that. Starting this November, we're going to get flooded with these new services, new options. Going into next year, we're going to get more options. There's going to be highly competitive marketing around it. You know, all that. Just consumer acquisition. Uh, Netflix has been fighting this, you know, thing where Hulu keeps like every month they're like, hey, do you want Hulu but like cheaper? And then they're like, hey, how about free? <laughs> you know, it's like soon Hulu's going to be paying me every month uh, that, that I subscribe to it. Whereas Netflix like, yeah, we got we to gotta ratchet up our, our price like another three bucks. Sorry. And so and they're the, kind of in this yeah. unenviable position, right? And in their last earnings report, they attributed uh, – they, they missed their subscriber f- growth mm. forecast pretty considerably. And, and they attributed that to the cost. And I actually was talking to an analyst uh, – who uh, from Parks Associates who told me that the number one reason that people um, on surveys tell them why they cancel streaming service is because of the of their budget because of the of the price and so that's obviously going to be a huge consideration you know it's not a zero sum game people will will and do subscribe to more than one streaming service but eventually people go okay this is untenable financially so uh you know whether that's ratcheting up the price or from I think Hulu's perspective they have a lot of uh, advertising uh, opportunities uh, because more than I think it's more than half of people who, who subscribe or maybe two-thirds uh, opt for the cheaper ad supported option so that gives them more flexibility Netflix doesn't have that sort of flexibility in terms of uh, you know coming up with alternative revenue streams in the form of uh, advertising slots directly. Yeah, and, and you're really teeing up the the point that that I was about to get to is that like 
you have all these options coming, but guess what else is coming probably this fall or next spring, you know? <laughs> a recession. <laughs> yes. Right. I, I was going to say, yep, that's and, the and streaming service. <laughs> uh, is, is Wars are great in a, in a very sunny eco- economic, you know, situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is going to be like if, if tomorrow, uh, if I lost my job, uh, or just I don't know, you know, if if anything like that, these would be the first to go. Um, like right, we we subscribe to maybe three or four, um, but they're so optional. Like I wouldn't kill them all probably, but it's definitely the most optional cost in my entire life. Short of like maybe <laughs> yep. getting getting one or two coffees a week. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're and not going to cable your or you're not going to cancel your cell phone. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. right, like, uh, as the first move. Yeah, you're not going to sell your car because you need that. Like, to you know, if you live in a place where you need a car. There's just, there's a lot of costs that you think about. And that's just one where there's really, it's just, it's nice. It's nice having those. Um, but, you know, like my Spotify, my Pandora, these streaming video services, they'd probably be the first to go. And, yeah, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to most of them probably. But that I really do think that that's going to be the moment that so much of this comes to a head is just like when consumers no longer have a strong economy uh, to kind of boost them. Um, but, you know, I don't know. That's a dark thing. And I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, the recession's coming any minute. Uh, but it's going to come. And it's going to come right as this this segment of the industry is just kind of blowing up. So I don't know. Uh, we shall see. Kelsey, thank you so much for walking us through all these updates. And I strongly encourage everyone to check out uh, Adweek's uh, TV and video section is fantastic. Uh, and Kelsey's coverage is really top notch. So everyone should take a look. And thank you so much for walking us through all that. Oh, yeah. I could talk about this all day. And I do. So happy to do it. Find her on. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Kelsey M. Sutton. That's oh, easy. So there you go. Uh, track her down. Talk to her all day about streaming. Uh, all right. We're going to go to our uh, last uh, exciting update of the week. We've got a new uh, a new award uh, that we just uh, that we just gave out for the first time ever, and it's a, a very cool one. Uh, Kamiko, do you want to tell us about about this one? Adweek has quite a few, but I, I'm really really happy with this one. Tell us what it is. Yes, yes, yes. So if you recall, if you're a subscriber and you received our October 15th issue last year, um, we made the announcement that Adweek would be partnering with AdColor to extend uh, – to come up with an inaugural Beacon Award um, that will be presented this year. And the purpose of it is to honor or recognize a public figure or celebrity that uses their power to champion a cause or challenge um, the status quo for the the generations of the future, um, focused on like diversity and things like that, and they will be our cover store cover star. And um, the person that will be on our cover um, when we drop this new issue will be Eva Longoria. So shouts to her. Super, super excited for that. Um, I know a lot of us probably have seen her on Desperate Housewives. Um, I see her mostly because she is also a shorty. I think she's like 5'2 or something like that. I like to identify which celebrities (laughs) (laughs) are in in my height bracket. Um, But outside of just being an actress, she's also a director, a producer, an activist, a philanthropist. And, you know, like her her list of things that she does runs the gamut. So we will be honoring her um, in our next issue and at our awards. Yeah, I I really loved reading the our cover story from uh, our writer T.L. Stanley about Eva Longoria. And yeah, I know her from her roles 
Um, you know, she started out in soap operas. She really blew up with Desperate Housewives. Uh, but, you know, she has turned into, I was going to say quietly. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. Um, but, you know, she's doing so much fascinating stuff. And she she's pushing a lot of boundaries. You know, this isn't a case of like one, an actor with one issue that they, you know, I'm really into this one specific thing, like whether it's LGBT acceptance or disability, like she's into like everything. So um, I think she's taken on um, the prices at the border. She's taking on motherhood, um, LGBTQIA issues, just the gamut, really. Yeah. And I mean, she's just like this ally across the board for so many different things. And, you know, there was an image of her that, uh, you know, a photo of, of her breastfeeding on set uh, that uh, that really took off. And she was like, yeah, no one should be. You know, no one should be ashamed of this stuff. And, uh, you know, she's just pushing those boundaries that none of it's like it's not to say that no one else is doing that. But it, it, again, you know, the way Kamiko described this award, we wanted someone who's just using their powers for good and not evil. Right. <laughs> and it's like it's it's nice to find those. Kelsey, are you an Eva Longoria fan at all? Um, I watched Desperate Housewives when my parents were not around. <laughs> 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 So, yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, I love, like, the weird generational, like, what's the scandalous thing? And, uh, like, I, for, for my age, it was Ally McBeal and oh, uh, and uh, <laughs> the uh, – oh, uh, the, that movie Wild Things. Although I was a little old for that. But it was funny watching teenagers trying to sneak into it. And, like, they, they carded me when me and my friend went to go see Wild Things um, – like we were in college, like me and a friend went to go see it and they carded both of us. And I was just like, you, do you really think I'm like 16? <laughs> I was like 22 or 23 or whatever. But, you know, they, I just love the fact that they were like, hey, man, it's too many kids sneaking into this movie. Taking no chances. Yeah. And, then, and then now you look back on it. It's so tame, right? <laughs> like like by, by modern post YouTube, <laughs> post uh, Instagram, like, you know, it just seems like so silly that that was ever super controversial. But. Anyway, I love hearing those little So congratulations to Eva Longoria uh, and big thanks to everyone at Ad Color and at Adweek who worked on this award. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been a really cool one to see develop and our partnership with Ad Color is something we're, we're all really proud of. Kamiko, remind us about, uh, and Doug too is really close with Ad Color, but remind us about the, about the event, about the group uh, and kind of what their mission is. Uh, yeah, so the organization is, you know, clearly outstanding. And I got a chance to go to the conference in Los Angeles last year. And, you know, I, I think it, it balances inspiration and action in, in a lot of really interesting ways. And, you know, I, I think that no matter where you are in the industry, and it doesn't matter where you are geographically, if you if you have an opportunity to go to the event in Los Angeles, and uh, I believe this year it's the beginning of September, so I want to say September 8th, but go to adcolor.org to uh, to check for sure um but you know they, they've been doing this event for for a few years for quite a few years and every year it just keeps getting better and better i think that sometimes we look at ad industry conferences and and we're somewhat critical of you know like oh it was the same as last year or you know it's not as good uh ad color just keeps getting better and better and you know tiffany warren deserves a tremendous amount of credit for um for her leadership there along with so many other great leaders in the community so um, you know, it's, it's one to, one to go to for sure. And you'll walk away, not just inspired, but you'll walk away 
armed with a lot of practical knowledge that you can take to your job. Um, following Doug's sentiments, I think it's an incredible program. And honestly, um, hats off to Tiffany Warren and all the things that she's doing. And to have a partnership with somebody like Eva Longoria, a fellow woman of color, um, kind of represent this this award and the work that they're doing is really incredible. All right. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much, Kamiko, as always. Uh, thanks so much for co-hosting. Happy to eat a chicken sandwich with you. <laughs> yeah, even if it, you did get stuck even with McDonald's. Even if it was McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> uh, Kelsey, sorry you had to listen slash watch us eat meat, uh, but thank you again for coming on. It's it's okay. I got some French fries out of the deal, so I am not complaining. <laughs> and Doug, uh, thanks as always for joining us. Yeah, I got nothing out of the deal other than my espresso, but it's cool. All right. <laughs> Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Chris Ahrens with production assistance by Josh Rios and edited by Lane McGivney. If you've not already, please uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, last I saw, we were holding right at like 98, 99 reviews. So if you want to help us tip over into a nice round number and well beyond, that would be great. Uh, so just uh, look us up wherever you get your podcasts and drop a review. It means a lot to us personally, and it helps new listeners discover the show. Uh, you can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we will be back next week. 